0: Episode 83, the Carson Kuhlman episode. I think he might. this might be one of the last numbers we have. Because 84, I know who that'll be. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's an 85 or an 86 or an 87 or many of those. There's a 91, obviously. And then after that, it's kind of barren, right?
1: Well, don't forget, uh, 83 is also Peter Sawarik. So, oh, destroyer. Country subject. Yeah, destroyer of worlds, Peter Sawarik, who <laughs> finally got his revenge. Not against the Bruins, but against. The United States, so yeah, he
0: yeah he uh, he went against the he should have went against Claude when in Canada. That's who he should have went against, or or Bruce Cassidy or Bruce Cassidy as well. Yeah, like go against them. I was so disappointed. By the way, I don't know if you stayed up and watched that. I did because I got off work pretty late, and I was like, I'll stay up and watch the uh, the the USA game. And I was like, oh, they're you know they're they're doing well, playing well. And then that goal goes in with like forty three seconds left, and then the shootout. And I said, there it is. This is this is definitely it. Uh, Disappointing.
1: Well, also, it's very funny that I think what they beat Canada in that one game. Canada, who was also out in the quarterfinals. <laughs> and it was like, I think it was the CNN that was like, uh the yes. C.R.C. team is hearkening back to the 1980 Miracle on Ice team. And it's like, you know, when I think of guys like, you know, Karlamov and Chetziak, I think of 37-year-old Eric Stahl and Mason McTavish. Yes. It's tomato-tomato, right? Thing.
0: Same thing. It's the same players. Uh, I was disappointed. I, I honestly, you know, the hockey wasn't all that great um but it was the, the american team was fast and they had some exciting young college players uh who you can follow over at NCAA.com. uh and uh it was fun to watch and i was so disappointed when they lost cuz like damn i actually i actually enjoyed watching this um but nevertheless two teams that people in boston uh, or in new england cared about a lot lost in shootouts uh on tuesday night but the, you know it's funny you were, by the way you're in new york you're in, in New York. York. You are at MSG. You'll be at UBS Arena tomorrow. It's, you got you've got your dunks. Uh, how how is it been? Cream or anything. It's very it's great.
1: It's a great city. Good to be here. I was able to watch the uh the Rangers game uh in person, which anyone who has not gone to Madison Square Garden, definitely do it. Looking forward to going over to UBS Arena on, uh, mm. well today, on the day this podcast drops. So <laughs> good to check out the new digs there. So now good to be, good to be back on the road and, uh, you know, we'll see how the Bruins kind of, uh, handle the Islanders who I think going into the year we thought was going to be a Eastern Conference final <laughs> potential matchup and now they're. Kind of going downhill, so we'll see.
0: They're going to be like ninth overall pick. That's what they're going to be. Um, which is never a fun place to be. But uh, yes, have fun, enjoy, say hi to the Statue of Liberty for me. And and I've actually never been to New York City. Not wild, never been to New York City. Are you serious? Been in New York, but I've never been to New York City. Are nope. you serious? Never. I dead serious. Have never been to NYC. Isn't that nuts.
1: There's so many things you're missing. Is the M M&M and M factory?
0: <laughs> M&M, Nick Richie, the M M&M and M factory,
1: bubble <laughs> gum shrimp. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so many things are missing. I haven't gone to Sparrow. Oh yes. Oh yeah. I Can't miss Sparrow. Um, but anyway, we were there. To now. Bring you. Yeah. Well, uh, next time I'll I'll have to join along uh, for the for the trip to NYC. Um, but anyways, uh, statement game uh, for one Bruin in particular it was Jeremy Swayman, who again we've kind of said all year with him, really good against mediocre to bad teams, but against really good teams, you haven't seen what you wanted to see. Felt like Tuesday night you saw what you wanted to see when it came to him against a good team.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and especially against, you know, a matchup against probably the Vesna favorite right now in Shisterkin. I mean, it's one thing to watch him live and just see how many grade A saves he stopped, but you look at both the baseline numbers, the underlying numbers, this like I think he's saved like thirty goals above average already this year, <laughs> which is kinda of ridiculous. And you kinda of can see from that Rangers team, lethal top six, fantastic goaltender. Not that great at even strength. Like, as long as you keep them off the power play, you have a good chance, even though, then again, you can't really build much of a lead if Shisterkin's out there. But for Swayman to, you know, kind of build off of that shutout win against Ottawa, which, again, it's Ottawa, so you'll take the shutout. But to see him, then get another start, you know, back-to-back and go up against Rangers in Madison Square Garden in a game where Shisterkin was in complete control to kind of have that back and forth overtime shootout where it seemed like both those guys were kind of trading, trading chances, you know, trading great, great A saves. Uh, I'm sure it does wonders for Swainman's confidence and you're going to kind of have to need it right now, right? You, you look now that Tugarask isn't in the equation anymore. It's one thing if we look back at November and December where it's like, all right, we know Swainman's going down there, but you know, all these reps are going to help him out. They still think highly of him. Now it's all right. we, We need him to perform right now because there's no, safety net of rafts coming back, what have you. Like, this is who you've got right now with Jeremy Swamin and Linus Olmark. And who knows, maybe Olmark goes on a run. But the Bruins, I think, especially would like to see and take that next step. And performances like this, even if it's only just one point, it's a good way to kind of build up that confidence. Because, again, Shesterkin's probably the class of the NHL right now. Swimman looked pretty damn good right next to him in that game. Yeah, and a game that kind of went from being a pretty dull first two periods to all of a sudden it felt like a playoff game. Kind of going to that overtime, right? So it was uh, good to see Swim and really kind of uh, handle that, you know, added spotlight, that matchup, and come away looking like a legit NHL goaltender, which the Bruins think and he if, is.
0: Yeah. And again, I mean, if he controls that rebound on their lone goal, it's a one nothing win. Like, yeah. again, I mean, obviously it's easy to point out those little mistakes, but that was a simple, I mean, that goal somewhat was his fault. Mike Riley went down early. Like, there were other factors into it, but it was kind of like, well, if you just kept corralled the rebound. You win that game one nothing, um, but it's an interesting thing because that third period did feel like such a playoff atmosphere. You were there again, you you felt it. But even just watching from home, the first two periods were like eh. you know they went by quick. But in the third period, it was very much it was very much felt like a playoff atmosphere. Um, and again, I, I, I also look back to how the Bruins played a lot, played their defense uh, in this game because they, they packed it in a lot um, in the D zone. And again, someone asked me on Twitter, it's a Rangers fan, I believe, asked me on Twitter and said, you know, it, do they normally pack it in like that? Or was it just because Martian and Bergeron were out? And I said, well, I think it was mainly because Martian and Bergeron were out. But it is encouraging that against a really good top six like the Rangers have, even though they're not elite five on five, uh, against a team like that without those, you know, top two key cogs, you held your own defensively, which is something we also have not seen from this team for a while either.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, it may not be the prettiest brand of hockey, but if it, you know, guts out points when you're without your top guys, and if you're in the playoffs and you're meeting up against the Rangers, the Hurricanes, the plenty of other teams that can bury you uh, with a lot of goals, Florida, Tampa Bay, you're going to have to play that style of hockey, I think, just to survive some of these. Uh, games against teams with considerably more firepower. So, um, again, I think the Bruins defense has been kind of a target in terms of areas to improve or whether or not they have the right personnel. And again, you had some miscues there. Clifton had a little bit of a rough game. As you said, Riley was kind of sprawled out there. Um, Clifton and about,
0: Hall just took themselves out. Yeah. It was a great. <laughs> you know, great. It's good to see
1: Taylor Hall be very physical with a, you know, bone crunching hit. Just wish it wasn't against his own teammate. That's not great. But, um, between that, you know, guys like Kahlo who I think really have to tighten up their game. I think everyone has more or less said that already. Um, it's still encouraging from the, you know, perspective not maybe the personnel but the scheme that it seems like, you know, the collective unit as a whole can kind of execute what the Bruins need to do in that situation, which I mean, we've seen it, it's mapped out in their underlying numbers, what have you, that they don't give up a lot of grade A chances compared to other teams. Um, and you kind of saw that against the Rangers who, um, again, Bruins easily could have Left that game with one nothing win with two points, which would have been huge, but even to get away with one point still seems like you can draw quite a few silver linings out of a game like that.
0: Oh, yes, for sure. Another thing from that game, you mentioned Shusterkin earlier getting pulled with 40 seconds left in overtime by the concussion spotter. Now, some were saying it was because he flopped. It was tough to tell. I mean, he did get run into. There was maybe a little theatrics to it. Uh, but him just, you know, having to, you know, slam in the stick against the glass and, um, definitely, I mean, Weird timing by that spotter. I mean, that is like. I remember, I remember a few years ago, it was Marshan, right, who got pulled in the middle of a game and said, they "Like, oh, they're just up there ripped,
1: eating cheeseburgers." Yeah. And yeah, yeah, eating just cheeseburgers.
0: Uh, yeah, remember the poor concussion spotter is just trying to do his job. You know, the guy's like, "Oh, he, think, I think he hit his head." Like, we're calling him off. Um, but interesting stuff there against Shosturkin is um, ridiculous. Like I, like, I think, I don't, dude think I don't think people understand how good he is.
1: Yeah, which also <laughs> eight 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 goes. And, no, as you were saying
0: as I was saying, okay. <laughs> but, but uh, it's, you mentioned, I was just going to segue into, you mentioned a few weeks ago, or maybe it was last week or the week before, um, you know, cause I said, is there any other team that has had a Tim Thomas to Tuka Rask style um, kind of transition? It seems like the Rangers are the next team up for that.
1: Yeah. Go from Lundqvist to Schuster and It's also very fascinating when you look at just the, the way this kind of rebuilt on the fly, I guess maybe not on the fly, but it's been a pretty quick turnaround in terms of, it seems like they're, building themselves back up. And it kind of goes back to, I think we talked about this last week in terms of the Bruins and what they do moving forward, whether it's rebuilding or buying, selling standing Pat, you look at the Rangers and you know they had that, that letter that they penned in 2018 after Tim Schaller like destroyed them in that game. Remember we had that crazy goal. And like the next day, Jeff Gordon was like, yeah, we're going to blow it up. So they have that, but yeah. you kind of look <laughs> at, Brendan you, you Smith. Look, yeah, you look at like that, um that, you know, path they kind of mapped out and how do they really kind of get back to where they were? It's not like they blew everything up and then just won the lottery and got legit players. Like, I mean, Capococco is one, not playing and two has been fine. And then a lot of People thought he was going to be like a 30 goal scorer. He's all right. All right. Yeah, like you look at average. what's kind of turned them. Yeah. You look, what's turned them around. It's one, like, obviously you've gotten great offensive production from a guy like, Panarin, who you spent a lot of money on, but has been well worth it. You've got guys that you've entrenched in the organization that you didn't trade, like Kreider, who are playing great. You win a trade for Zabinajad, which was, I mean, was a steal at the time and it looks even better now. But then you look at all these other guys that have kind of supplemented through, and it's whether it's Adam Fox, who you trade for, but again, he was a third round pick. You look at Shusterkin, who's a fourth round pick sometimes it's just a crapshoot, right? In terms of how you kind of, it's not like these are all just first round picks or, you know, I, you look at the Brooklyn Nets, like new starting lineup and it's like first overall pick, first overall pick, second overall pick. Like it it's not like that really for the Rangers where it's, no. again, it's you, you kind of just have to hit on the right pieces, build kind of that skeleton or framework of a roster, which again, we've talked about before the Bruins kind of have moving forward with McAvoy, Posternock, Swayman, like they have a a skeleton that you can kind of build around. It just now, supplementing that in the years ahead with doesn't have to be first round picks makes the odds a lot easier if they are continuing to get first round picks. But sometimes whether it's you wait for another third or fourth round guy to really kind of develop into a regular NHL that's how the Rangers kind of got back to where they are.
0: I mean, Bergeron was a, a second round like, pick yeah. and you look at guys like Lucic and Marshan, these were not top mm-hmm. picks. Um, and I think it's, again, it's, it's partially getting lucky and just good drafting. Like I yeah. think it's a perfect blend of both. Um, and it's funny. The, the interesting thing about Panarin is Panarin. You know, you don't see a lot of hot. You know, um, highly paid free agents in hockey go elsewhere and do really, really well. He has elevated he's, his game even past where it was. Yeah, I mean, awesome. was it eighteen nineteen or nineteen twenty where he could have won MVP? Even though I think they like almost yeah. missed the play or they they made the bubble. And it was yes. nineteen twenty. He was just unconsciously good.
1: Yeah. He's a freak.
0: So, I mean, that, yeah, that I, dude is
1: that dude is so much fun to watch.
0: Yeah, and again, Crider also was another guy at the but what deadline? Was it the 20 so it deadline?
1: 20, that was 2020, I want to say. Yeah. Because they were going the, they were they thought they were gonna trade him and then they signed him like I think the day of the deadline to a contract extension. So
0: <laughs> And that was the guy that the Bruins were like reportedly potentially in on. So check out of different the things. Could, yeah he does check off the local kid all that stuff um the other funny thing is i always thought the rangers were a good fit for jack eichel obviously that ship has sailed but i always thought you have the pieces it'd still be good um wouldn't be a bad idea um speaking of not bad ideas patrice bergeron is back bruins dodge a huge bullet never had a concussion just had a laceration to his head he said uh it's not confirmed yet that he's uh playing thursday but it Feels like it's because he was in a non-contact jersey that he probably will be um, back in the lineup. Safe to say, though, pretty big bullet dodged.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's not just what we talked about in the immediate aftermath. It's not just losing Bergeron for any stretch of time, which is a big hit for the Bruins. But we've talked about it before with his concussion. You know, history, the dangers of that, the you know, the perils of trying to map out the recovery for an injury like that, especially when he suffered it. It's one of those ones where if it was a concussion, you have to go through that kind of narrative of all right this is already a guy who's talked repeatedly before about taking kind of a step back and evaluating his career and his future going forward this upcoming offseason if he has another concussion which he's had plenty of times before is it then that puts him over the edge of you know i can't keep doing this i have to take kind of a longer view beyond my playing career so again it's only, only a laceration that needed like a couple <laughs> days. To, yeah, quite a few days to heal up. Same as like Coil. Coil got like I think his his wrist cut. Um, by swinging. Yes, on that like was game scary. On. That could have been yeah. really bad. And literally after he's like, oh, I'm fine. Just a few stitches. Yeah. Like probably like cut all the way through here, but yeah, it's good to <laughs> no, go. No but deal. I mean, but I mean for the Bruins, yeah, for for that to be just a, I guess, what is it, superficial superficial wound, whatever. Like It's not like a concussion or anything like that. I'm not a doctor. You wonder why I went to college of communication. Crazy.
0: Yeah, he went to but, BU. <laughs> I don't
1: know. But to, for, having, for him to have an injury like that, it does seem like a, a bullet dodge in that it wasn't something that has long-term implications or anything that could really sideline him, both for an extended stretch now or especially when we get to June and he has to kind of look and evaluate kind of what the next step is for him in his career.
0: Yeah, no, definitely um, a huge bullet dodge with that again. Like you, you you're seeing you see in the past bunch of games without him how uh, important uh, he is to this Bruins team. But safe bet that a guy like Bergeron is going to be back in the lineup, looking good. All those things we're talking about really safe bets. We're always talking about our good friends over at Bet Online.
1: Right, you are, Evan. Listen up, guys. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full swing for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, and player performance props to where the next side coach is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50 to get started. That's CLNS50. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds, right to Olympics coverage. Simply put, they're the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, the game
0: starts. Starts. Where the starts. game starts. Uh It's funny. I keep putting up my pen when I do, like, the number one thing. And I I can never find a good pen. And I finally found a pretty damn good pen. Right actually, right next to me on my desk, I have, like, the graveyard of bad pens that have uh, just, like, died. But now well, I finally got a good pen.
1: Let me tell you, Evan. We got a little goodie bag at the Rangers. Ooh. Yeah. So, oh. let me tell you. We got a little...
0: If you, if there's a pen in there, I'm gonna be jealous. Oh, there's a oh. pen. I'm jealous.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're not we're not I'm messing jealous. around here. You want to know where all James Dolan's money goes to? It goes to these. You got a little <laughs> the pen. Press, the press pocketbooks. Yeah. Got a little. I don't know why we have this. We have sunglasses, but I mean, I, I don't know why the Bruins don't do this. We should we should have like you know those big uh, foam bear claws. We should have that. Yeah. Like in the media for us.
0: Yes. Well, it's like in every playoff series, they give us a ton of, um they give us all those, uh what's it called? The the rally towels. So like in my yes. room for many years, I had just a pile of rally towels. I actually just pulled this out. The nicest thing I think I ever got with the Bruins. This might be from the Stanley oh, Cup a few years ago. <laughs> no, I think it's a notebook. And on it, oh, it's, yes. it says, I've never used it. It says Boston Garden Society. I've yes. never used it. But it's a pretty like, Gaudy notebook, like it's one of those like very like hey, I'm going to put down my thoughts in this notebook kind of thing. Like it is, it is that's, that's
1: what experience. I that's what I do when I practice. Actually, I just <laughs> talk like that. Do you ever hear that voice <laughs> in the, the scrum? That's what it is.
0: It's just that. um Anyways, <laughs> not related to pens or notebooks at all. By the way, I've, I've had this for years. I've never used it. I keep waiting to like find a time to use it. I just got to freaking use it. Like, there's nothing that's coming along that's, like, just, that just special. Do, do,
1: just draw doodles in it. Who cares?
0: Yeah, just doodle. Like, back in school, back in the day when you'd be taking notes and you'd draw, like, you know, the Empire the, the State 3D, Building. The,
1: the 3DS. Yeah, that's all. <laughs>
0: the the <3DS>. <laughs> 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 Only the coolest kids could do the 3DS. I, was, I couldn't do it. I was never that gifted. I, ne- I never got it either. That's why I didn't, I, my artistic abilities are not very uh, very big. Um, anyways, Brad Martian on Wednesday... So before this drops is appealing his six game suspension, which we've all been waiting for gets a chance in person to do it. I don't know. I just have a feeling it's probably not getting shortened. Do you think there's a chance that it could be?
1: I think maybe he might get like a game knocked off of it. But again, I I think you look at it's already one where I think the Bruins not the Bruins, the, the league office is trying to make a pretty strong statement in terms of really kind of doing what it can to kind of nip it in the bud in terms of a guy with his history and what you have to do to really kind of send a message, which seems like they sure did with a six game suspension. And, um <laughs> you know, as much as I think Marchand, you know, he talked recently about it and how uh he doesn't want to, he didn't think it was, you know, the punishment fit the crime in terms of, you know, Jari wasn't injured after the game, even Jari was pretty much like, yeah, that happens. <laughs> He wasn't like it wasn't like Ryan Miller, where remember when Lucic ran him over and had like yes. an eleven second press conference where he just like yes. yelled yes. at Milan Lucic? It wasn't like that, so. But you know, Bergeron uh, spoke with us on Wednesday after practice and more or less said the same thing in terms of you know what his case would be. Granted, it's not like a courtroom where like Bergeron is going to come and vouch for Martian, but he said pretty much the same thing that Martian's talked about that. Even with his history, which you have to be cognizant about, it still wasn't an uh, incident that injured Jari or, or what have you. And at the very least, it's a suspension-worthy offense, but six games, maybe scale it back. So who knows, maybe it ends up being four games, five games, or the, the league can just you know sit still and, and keep it as is, and hopefully that kind of delivers a message to Martian. But um, in terms of getting it completely wiped off the board, in terms of him getting back here on Thursday tonight against the Islanders, Probably not. I would assume not. Um, but even if it's you get one game kind of uh, knocked off here, I'm sure the Bruins will take that because he clearly deserved the suspension in some capacity. It's just I think for him probably it's the length of it that is what kind of drawn the ire from him in the NHLPA.
0: Because he's missed three games thus far. So it's, yeah. you get three so far and then it comes down to the next three. Maybe they'd say, you know what, Brad, we're going to actually extend it. That would be less now. than ideal. <laughs> no, uh, I, I just personally, I think with the way the league views him with his past history and everything, his reputation that they continue to put into play doesn't feel like they're going to knock down the six games. Uh, I would also love to be a fly on the wall in the appeal hearing. <laughs> Uh, Just like what he says and how it goes and the, the bad blood. Like I'd love to just kind of witness it all. He just, you know? he just like, has
1: like a PowerPoint, PowerPoint – I can't even say that word. A PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> he presentation. just has that on. But it's like one yeah. of the, it's like those TikToks where it's like the hotline bling playing, and it's just yes. like a really bad 3D thing. and just, It won't even load, and you're like, no, nah, it's six games, Brad. Like we, we have other stuff to do
0: yes yes i think that's i think he's gonna go for that maybe he makes like a tiktok like a tiktok dance and that's how he mm. like presents uh, i don't know how that's gonna sway
1: be... george but
0: we'll see it could i you never know i mean, maybe george you gotta be more with the kids this is what the kids are doing you know maybe maybe that works itself out but should be interesting to see what happens with his appeal I again i just doubt it goes uh, under six um but on a much better bruins note uh this uh frederick Coyle-Smith line. We we discussed this a little bit on Bruins because we saw it a little bit in the Ottawa game. Now it's another game of them playing really well together. And it's one of these lines that when you really think about it, could open up a lot of doors and opportunities in the top six, right? If, if you can put Smith with Coyle and they produce, and you find a spot for Frederick and his kind of tough game mixed with like actually playing real hockey, you might have something here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a positive domino effect if you're able to keep that line together. Um, and it seems like barring any other late lineup changes, you're probably going to see that line again on uh Thursday against the Islanders because uh, Bergeron was with Hall and Pasta on that top line today, and they pretty much – the Hall of line has kind of more or less been broken up. He's kind of back more in a third-line role, and it's the Frederick Coyle-Smith line that's kind of still the de facto two-second line there. So um, once you get back to full strength, that, yeah, as you said, not only is it – I think one of the more encouraging things you've seen so far from that line is it's, it seems like Coyle's been a lot more assertive, especially in the offensive zone. He's not deferring as much. I mean, he gets that like goal off of, you know, kind of just driving towards the net, rebounds there, and he's able to knock it past Sterkin which is no easy task, as we've seen from him all year. <laughs> um But then, yeah, if it also not only gets Coyle more engaged, which is a key thing this team needs to do to kind of get that middle six group going if you're able to uh, get Smith going, which seems like that guy has been snake bit about 10 games now that you hope that eventually he gets into one of these four goals and five games kind of run here that, it, you know, is able to get him going a little bit. Um, and again, as you said, Frederick, Frederick, who we know he can be in a you know, a, a regular fourth line guy, but if this kind of unlocks a little more offensive game out of him, having him play kind of more straight line minutes of just being more of a power forward than just a, four checking presence, I mean, that gets him going. Cause again, I don't think the Bruins need him to be a 30 goal scorer and he won't be, but if it's a situation where um, he becomes just a, a solid middle six guy that it contributes to your team, you'll take it. So if that ends up being your third line and you can roll with a a group that is physical, can be a, a matchup problem against heavier teams in the playoffs, seems like it works out for everyone involved.
0: Yeah. Again, that they all play kind of similar, Right? They're all, they play a hard-nosed game that, you know, they're good on the fork check, all those kind of things, especially in the ozone. So I feel like that is a line that could work. Again, that's, that's one of those lines where you kind of, everyone complements each other in a sense. You don't have like, you know, uh, it's not like when they stick, uh, Anton Bleed with Jack Stadniga or something like that. Yes. Like this is, you know, you got, you got everyone who kind of does similar things, uh, on the same line. And we mentioned this on Bruins Beat, but like, you know, in a perfect world, let's say when everyone's back and healthy, you could have Marsh and a Bergeron with an Oscar Steen or a right wing that you go out and get from, you trade from somewhere. Your second line could be something like, you know, uh, Hall, Hall hala Pasternak, and then your third line is this third line. Now, is that ideal? Not in the terms of what they really need, because they need more depth down the middle. But if JT Miller's price is way too high, Tomas Hurdle gets, you know, re-signed and kind of all those things happen, this isn't a terrible like plan C or D, Right.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. And again, as you said, if it just balances out that scoring, it's going to be key for this team, uh, in terms of just giving yourself more options. So, um, again, did you going into the year, were you going to say that Frederick was going to be like next to Coyle as a, a missing piece? No, but if it, if the sum of those paths draws the best out of these guys when they're playing at their best, because I mean, we saw it, we've talked about it before, but in that 2019 playoff run, not only was that third line with Heine and Johansson and Coyle so you know great because it seemed like the points were producing, but also that was when Coyle was more or less a finisher on that line. He had, what, seven, eight goals during that playoff run, and he was kind of the guy that was taking those shots, that was driving towards the net. So if he's with two other physical guys there and, and Frederick and Smith and it gets the best out of him, he'll absolutely take it. So, uh, yeah, definitely – there hasn't been a lot of good news to report over the last week, to say the least, about this Bruins team. <laughs> but if they're able to come out of this stretch with, you know, at least string together some points um, and you get Bergeron and Marchand back and all of a sudden you have the makings of a third line there that you can kind of roll with going forward and build some consistency going into kind of the stretch run here, Bruins will absolutely take that.
0: Pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Anyways, uh, that is today's poke the bear, Connor. Uh, wh- what can the people look forward to uh, from BSJ in NYC?
1: Yeah, we're uh, going to continue to uh, give you all the content you expect from uh, a BSJ subscription. Where we'll have uh, game recaps, we'll have breakdowns, video breakdowns, uh, be able to get a few interviews, uh, working on a couple of features, which I'll be happy or excited to share over the next couple of days, weeks. So all that stuff will be over at BSJ. So you want to sub- uh, please subscribe to BSJ, BostonSportsGernal.com. You want to follow me on Twitter? You can do that at Connor Ryan underscore 93.
0: Go do all that. That's Connor Ryan. I'm Evan Marinovsky. You poke the bear, listeners. Have a great rest of your day.